finally, I have seen the film that created the fantasy of so many men and women's dreams in the 90s. To be kissed on the hand by Hector Elizondo. We watched Pretty Woman on Not A Hate Watch. Hello, it is us two very pretty women, Alice and Missy, here to talk about the Gary Marshall-directed Richard Gere and Julia Roberts-led movie, Pretty Woman. Classic. I will agree, quite frankly, right away, classic is exactly what this deserves. I was pleasantly surprised by this. I'm I'm glad. I, I didn't think... Let's talk a little bit about why you were hesitant to watch this or why you put it on the list in the first place. Yeah, so I was very hesitant to watch it because I am overall very hesitant to watch the genre of romance and or romantic comedy. It's just broadly a genre I don't love, but I'm in the process of reevaluating and figuring out if I don't love them because that was part of the culture I was raised to not like them, or if it is something where it's like, no, I just genuinely don't, you know, it's it's just a me thing, but there are ones that I like. This is one I absolutely liked, and yes. I might dare say loved. One of the best, it, one of the best. Uh, I'm so glad it has aged well because so many comedies don't. I yes. didn't notice any... Jokes that were at the expense of any groups that I felt uncomfortable being in. No, I, I just really appreciated it. And a lot of great actors and actresses in it. Um, we're going to get, uh, we'll start to break that down. But Alice, can you tell me about your first experience watching this film? Yeah, this is a movie that my parents, especially my mother, loved. Um, so we watched it a lot in my house when I was growing up. I don't remember the first time I watched it. I do know. I do remember being really into it and, and renting it multiple times and watching it a lot. I think we, we at some point we taped it off TV or something. Um, my mother, my mother strongly identified with Julia Roberts in this movie. Um, whenever she would, whenever she would get mad at someone, she would say, "Big mistake, big mistake." Um, oh, including at me many times when she was mad at me and 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 I, and I did did something to piss her off. Um, it's okay, we don't talk anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I like I remember really liking it. I I knew that it holds up pretty well. Um, I was curious to see how some some things were going to be handled, especially around the the sex worker stuff. But I actually felt that was okay. Like like language aside, I think it was yeah. it, it could have been a lot worse, especially given the given the time. It could have been a lot worse. Um, but yeah, well, I, and the length the. The language that's used a lot of times when it is the more harsher terms that we try not to use anymore, it's said by people who are considered to be not considerate of her and her, you know, uh, right. s- social status, placement, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, so yeah, I was very surprised at that as well, that the attitude toward her by people in general was to initially be negative toward her because she was clearly someone who was a prostitute um, or sex worker, I should say. Um, uh, prostitute is the language that they use most often. That, yeah. Well, and, and hooker, prostitute they, and hooker. They, 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 they say hooker often. a lot, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, when 
uh, the, she's like at the hotel is a great part because they all can tell by her style of dress, so they're immediately just sort of treating her, yeah. you know, at this outsider level of it. But then it's like this sexual Pygmalion where over time she sort of is able to like reversed stay herself and like everyone around her grows to like understand her a bit better um and i i just like really i don't know i just enjoyed it I, it was feel good I, I get julia roberts now i finally understand what everyone was like oh, why, yeah. why when i grew up she was already a thing uh-huh and it wasn't a question. It was just sort of on there. Having not seen this film, the only other film I can think of that I saw her when she would be, quote, younger in, uh, you know, as a kid, obviously, sure. this being the relative uh, distancing of age where someone in their 30s, you know, is like a mom <laughs> to you immediately, but uh, would have been Steel Magnolias. And yeah. I remember her being fine in that, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't see her as the... The sexualized sweetheart that people kind of had. It was like, oh, Julia Roberts is like just this fantasy for men. And then she's like, you know, beautiful. I mean, and all. So I it was like, oh, yeah. I, I, I will just say, I don't I don't know that she was like just seen as a fantasy for men. When I think about fantasy for men, I think about like, I think more like, I think like Baywatch or um, other, other people who are like known for their looks. I think with Julia Roberts, she was like, the very very pretty girl next door and i think that's part of her charm is that women in the in the 90s especially could see themselves as her and wanting to be her and relate to her it wasn't just she's she's super sexy she's wearing a short skirt with giant stilettos and she's she's clearly just there for the male gaze oh no that's what i was going to finish saying is that it was for the girl next door and that that was the type that like that is a fantasy that some people have like the girl next door is also as much of a fantasy as big you know breasted women running around on beaches is a fantasy as well and you're right i found myself relating quite a lot to julia roberts's character in this film but not not in a way that I expected to. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if we want to open this the the damn this early on on kind of how I started viewing it about halfway through. Sure. Well, um, let's go ahead. I really started envisioning Julia Roberts' character and not imagining her, but imagining the scenario where this was a, a trans woman that was sort of discovering her identity as a woman as well. And a lot of these things are like, oh, it's the first time that she's been thrust on her, this like ladyship that's been afforded of her. And it's like, in in the sense of the respect and the presentation and the way of, you could relate this as, oh, the looks and things that she get, there could be an extra layer of, they know that, you know, this was a trans person, so there's also that social sort of looking down there coming from that angle in general. Mm -hmm. But then they get to know her and it reverses their opinion of it because they just start to identify her as a person and not just that, but also as a woman of her own right, not just sure. a, a woman 
who is used for yeah sexual purposes uh of all that i also was i also didn't realize they slept with each other like early on i thought this was something where it was they had like like the tension was broke later on like i didn't think they didn't do it but i just was surprised like on the first day when they go to bed together i'm like oh okay cool like good for them uh uh yeah i oh what are uh, tell me a little bit more about the the aspects that you like about it because I'm just afraid I'm going to go on a ramble with with all the things that I loved about it. So I I want to sort of be able to bounce off of some of the the, the things that you really especially having grown up with this as mm-hmm. a part of you where it was just a thing you've seen dozens of times and I'm sure can quote and you know close your eyes and picture it at any moment. Yeah, I mean um I really like that it's it it felt like a time capsule to Los Angeles in the early nineties. Um, mm. I, I often feel like movies that are set in contemporary times, wherever contemporary is, can can sometimes just feel kind of samey. Like like you wouldn't know a movie that came out in in two thousand five came out in two thousand five versus now, other than maybe like you know the phones they drive or whatever. They they, they use a CRT computer or a, or a flat screen computer or whatever. Um, whereas this felt like of a place and a time. Um, I I loved. There was so much fucking smog in Los Angeles. Um, also, also, also the, the the back when Hollywood Boulevard was very very seedy. Um, now it is completely. I wrote just I wrote down the words seedy Hollywood Boulevard. I loved seeing. Yes. I wrote that down. I was like, perfect. This is what I hear LA people talk about. It was right. great. Well, I mean, Hollywood Boulevard's kind of trash, but it's it's trash because it's mostly a tourist trap now. I've never mm-hmm. actively seen the sex workers on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, they are definitely around in that area overall, but but Hollywood Boulevard is kind of like taken over by tourists. Same thing with Beverly Hills, actually. Um, if you go to Beverly Hills, there it's just it's just tourists left and right. Um, and and I don't know if I, I I think I think one of the things this movie does is it lets you relate to Julia Roberts because it's very much a like snobs versus slobs. These are the 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 crusty upper class yes. versus the everyday people. Um, like like the, the the scene where Hector Elizondo is showing her how to use how to use how to use a salad fork and a and a shrimp fork. That's iconic. Um, yeah. Um, her at the at the restaurant with the um with the oyster. Um, her at the, at the opera, like, like that was, I think a lot of the charm there was, was people seeing themselves in her because like the, because the, you know, Richard Gere's character and, and, and the other, and the other people at the hotel are in this like rich stratosphere that's completely separate from, from your and my life. And so we can relate to that. And I think that that's really part of what I thought endured really well here. Yeah. It, it does a pretty good job of showing how nice these things can be, but also showing you that there's it, it's hollow and only puts as much into it as you put yourself into it. Because it also shows all these rich people as being vapid and just about money. You know, Jason Alexander obviously being a mm-hmm. character whose only drive is money and then sexual violence also. Yes. And his wife just is a is a name chaser and just is going to all of these famous people to go chat with them to like leave her husband behind. So yeah, it's like they're all in the nice things that Julia Roberts in as well, but that doesn't make them nice people. Where it doesn't it doesn't like fetishize or or um 
overdo it where it's making you be like, oh, this is what you, you as the person watching this film, this is what you need versus this is a nice thing. But the nice part about it is, is that they fall in love. That's, right. you know, really where the, you know, and he has millions of dollars. Hooray. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have never identified with that. I've never identified that before where we have the montage of a character going and trying on clothes. I think if uh, in Twagist, I actually make fun of that being a type of scene that is a thing. But that was for prom dresses. And it's also was making fun at uh, Bella's lack of interest in what her her friends ask her to come along. And then she has no interest in what they're doing whatsoever. Um, But those scenes and stuff never drew me in. This, however, I was like, God, it would be nice to have the money and budget just to throw and go on and try a bunch of dresses on and be able just to pick, like, have people help me pick stuff for my proportions that want to make me look like a lady. You know, it's like, it's my drag queen fantasy, you know, on there. But also now understanding it, too, is just part of an identifier. Sure. And I think the difference between this montage and others is it's not just that she's trying on a lot of clothes. It's that they are coming to her. They are, they are trying, they are helping her. Richard, you're standing there being like, be nicer to her, be nicer to her. And then somebody orders pizza. And like, I think, I think the, 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 the shopping montage in this is, is, is one of the best, maybe the best in cinema. Um, and and I think I think uh, oftentimes films that came after this movie were trying to ape a lot of those things, um, but but again, yeah, if it's just like oh the character is trying on five ten dresses in a row or whatever, that's not the same as 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 what was presented here. Yeah, it was it was so well done, and I loved. Uh, I, there's a few random actors and actresses in here that aren't aren't in it very much you had yeah. uh like earlier Hank Azaria was a detective but in this you had uh Larry Miller yes. as the shop manager and I loved him in it I love Larry Miller in like the Christopher Guest films and his mm-hmm. just random guest appearances and things he's he just has that timing when I randomly when I went and saw David Letterman live he was the comedian there and I oh, wow. his comedy was really good but um he made me he gave me the first thing where I laughed out loud, which was when he was asking, you know, the coding of it's gonna be obscene and dirty how much yes. he's gonna be spending here. Yeah. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he basically says, Is it going to be like obscene, downright filthy? <laughs> yes, downright filthy it's gonna be a downright filthy money but he says, I love this so much. Just him walking away, like I just guffawed out loud. I'm like, Oh my god, this is so it, it was so funny, and that's the thing that I liked about it was that it did give me a lot of, a lot of laughs, a lot of you know watching this by myself, a lot of internal tee hee hees. But that was a moment where I truly laughed out loud because I was just enjoying it so much. You're right, the fact that where we had seen earlier these people be so sneering to her, mm-hmm. she now has a place in a moment where her background, their preconceived notions, it doesn't matter. Like. Yeah, it's because he has a lot of money. That's the the negative kind of right. behind it. But also, you don't care. You're just enjoying the fact that she's getting treated well mm-hmm. and is is having her day in that. Yeah, and um, can we talk about Richard Gere a little bit? Yeah, why don't you talk about Richard Gere first? Because part of the reason we watched this is that I saw Chicago 
uh, or we watched Chicago for our last yes. Not a Hate Watch, and I had the realization I'd not really seen or couldn't remember seeing Richard Gere in anything. This was on Pretty Woman was on my list. Alice picked for me, and yep. thus this is why we're watching this one to to keep our Richard Gearness going on. Yeah, stay in stay in gear as you were. Um, I, Boo! I, well, I I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like I get that he's. A I know I don't get it either. I get that he's a handsome guy, but he's he like he looks old in this movie already, and then. Like, cause he's, cause he was in his like, I think I looked this up. He was like in his late thirties, and Julia Roberts was like twenty two when she made this movie. Um, and so wow, definitely... she was twenty two. She was, she was she really was that young. young. I think she was that. Wow. Young. Let, me, let me double check that. No, I yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. Obviously, that just I couldn't believe that. Uh, cause I was uh, yeah, she was like twenty two, twenty three when they when they made this. Wow, that's probably also why I just like related it, 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 or could imagine it being in terms of a of a a trans identifying in there is because she was young enough that her face was like I don't I was obsessed with her face and looking at I know we're talking about Richard Gere moment but yeah there were just moments where I was just looking at it and was just being like God yeah I understand and I also think it's weird it must be weird being a person who you know your face is so familiar that people are like staring at every like angle and everything of that yeah. Uh, I did find Richard Gere to be, he wasn't uncharismatic, but he also wasn't like pouring charisma out there. He, it's like, he was a really good straight man in it. Like bouncing off of Julia Roberts character that was much more heightened than his is. And it's probably because it's a whole, you know, she's trying to bring him out of the shell story of it. But yeah, he, he was sort of featureless. Yes. Is the way that I realized it mm-hmm. is that he doesn't have distinguishing features. He doesn't have a distinguishing voice. He doesn't have a distinguishing presence, but he's not bad. He's right. he's just he's fine, you know. He's like, but he's he, like a handsome not... mannequin. He he's he's like because like Oh, that's he, a nice way of putting it. You're putting him in these scenes with Julia Roberts, who has so much personality with Jason Alexander, yeah. which is like bouncing off the walls. Um, oh my god, yeah. And and like I found I found the, the the business parts, especially the parts where where it was just him like in meetings and stuff, which they showed a lot of. I was kind of surprised how much they showed of that, as just so boring. Like I just wanted to I just wanted yeah. to hang out with with Vivian. Yeah, when I realized that that was the 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 B plot was his kind of having a you know turnaround moment of not wanting to tear things down and build things up, which <laughs> which we learned is because of fucked up daddy issues, which I just found really interesting that in, yeah. a, in a comedy in the 90s that they threw that in there as like a serious, like not as a joke, but as a, you know, this is the root of a lot of why I am I, why I am. Uh, those scenes were, those scenes were mostly blah when you had, um, Oh, I'm gonna have to look him up. I just saw his name. The one who played uh, Mortimer Duke in Treading Places, um, Richard Bellamy. I remember his name. Richard mm-hmm. Bellamy uh, as the senior uh, person who owns the company that Richard Gere wants to uh, dismantle. When yep. he was in the scenes, I really enjoyed that dynamic. I thought they had good interplay and good chemistry there. Uh, like, there's something about him made Richard Gere come alive a little bit more. And the dinner scene uh, where we first meet him and the son and everything was just, I enjoyed that a lot and enjoyed the little moments where Julia Roberts was like having to code switch into rich bitch mode, mm-hmm. as we can talk about in The Glass Onion, uh, and was able to 
slip every once in a while and do it uh, quite successfully. Which I didn't. I just thought about this. It's another film where a person with a southern accent is putting on a rich bix, rich bitch persona uh, to blend in. It's just interesting. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I, I. I also want to call out. Um. I did not need a close up of, of Richard Gere's nipple. Um. When they were in the bath. Together. Oh my god! Wait, yes. <laughs> I. I believe I wrote um the wrong kind of nip slip. That, yeah. that I want to see. Yeah. I, yeah, I was surprised how. Um, I mean, obviously there was no full nudity, but just how sexual the film it was. You right. know, it really didn't steer. It didn't steer away from putting them in sexual situations, mm-hmm. and in fact, holy fuck! I wrote down. Uh, I didn't need a new uh, sexual fantasy, which was fucking on a piano. Like, goddamn, that was hot. That was one of the hottest, like, non-sex sex scenes I've seen in film in a long time. And that's the turning point, was one of the turning points of this film, where I was like, oh, no, now I'm loving this film. I'm not just, like, casually interested. I'm like, I'm now, like, emotionally invested in some of the stuff that's happening here. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of the LA-ness of it all, I wrote that down. Um, I was interested just in how, just how... The, how the use of class and the locations that we were at. Like, I don't know L.A. Uh, I love L.A., like Randy Newman, but I don't know L.A., but I knew enough to know where they were talking about, you know, and how Beverly Hills obviously represents this upper strata. If you're down on Hollywood Boulevard, clearly that's just common, you know, and sub, you know, some people, subclass, all kind of level of stuff. And just the different times that we end up there and this, the, what revelations happen with the different individual there's um, just really fascinating. And, you know, I hate hate when people say, like, oh, New York or L.A. is a character in the film. But in this, I'm like, damn it, L.A., you are a character in yeah. this film. <laughs> and it's true. Even down to that guy who's running around who bookends the film and is in the middle and says, Hollywood, place of dreams. What's your dream? Come on, it might come true. I was like. Nice. Well, that felt, well played. That felt very Gary Marshall to me. Like, yes. Like, oh, like that, that sort of Gary. button. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I, like you said, bookending the movie. I felt like, oh, that it, that wasn't in the script. Gary Marshall put that in. I, I could see that. Oh, yes. There were a lot of moments in here where the humor, I was like, oh, this is definitely very Gary. And honestly, though, I loved Hector Elizondo as the hotel manager. Mm-hmm. He was so sweet his little journey of of getting to know her and sort of i i don't he has a nice movie presence i i saw clips of him uh with julie andrews in princess diaries uh because it was on scott hasn't seen so i wanted to see some of the stuff about that and uh with this being an upcoming scott hasn't seen uh it's the first time i've gotten ahead of the podcast without an episode that i've already seen the film before um, but I do, I loved him in this and I felt like, okay, you cast him well. I didn't feel like, uh, it didn't feel as weird as like other people who get cast up in director cameos. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> as much as I thought it was funny, but Daryl in, uh, Glass Onion being, uh, director, uh, casting cameo where it just felt like, okay, this char- character is only here for a joke quite literally, but, uh, uh, I at least appreciated the, the moments from that. Who are some of your favorite side characters that we meet along the way? I want to talk about uh, the roommate, but I want to hear about some of yours first. I was gonna say I love I love Kit. I love Kit. 
Um, mm-hmm. Kit's outfit that she's wearing when she's she's working the street is just an outfit that I feel like you could go to Forever 21 and buy right now, which I think is hilarious. Uh, do you know what I wrote down? Their street walking outfits are, I said, quote, millennial music festival staples yeah. now. Like, it was so interesting to me to see the reaction of people being like, oh, scandalous. Where I'm like, uh, this is literally, I've seen friends wear stuff, like, you know, worse, like, worse in their mind than this. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like, I liked, I liked her. Um, my favorite character, my favorite side character is the miniature pool table that I think Jason Alexander has at one point. It brought back a sense memory of, I remember, I remember asking for and getting one of those for Christmas one year. Um... Very, very sharper image in the '90s. Um, yeah. What, what? How about you? Uh, well, one, I loved that little pool table as well. And as soon as that popped on, I was like, "Tee." Um, I really enjoyed the hotel staff. Sure. And just the little bits we get with them. Uh, I found the scene with the two shopkeep ladies who are like snide to her they did that really well but then the scene where julie roberts comes back and it was like you work in commission right big mistake big mistake like it was just very funny uh to see their reaction on that as well uh and and then just uh, again the um uh richard bellamy's character i thought was just fascinating and and interesting uh i really he he made all the business talk scenes bearable that he was in because it, he just has that way of delivering lines where you're like, okay, there's a little wryness here. Uh, that, he's also very funny when he gets angry because he can tell like, oh, this is like a soft guy. And I was like, just like, put some restaurant. And it was so good. But yeah, I just thought it, it, it was a really weird, I was about to say weird, but it's not that weird. It was just a very rich amount of, of side characters that were kind of very fully realized, which is weird in a lot of these comedies because most of them are just meant to be there for quippy one-liners and jokes, but that's all that their character is. It's not something like this where you can kind of get a sense of, know who they are and why they fit in this world that we have. Absolutely, absolutely. One other thing I wrote down was the the scene in the hotel in the lot the hotel lobby where she's first getting kicked out um and she's she's sort of making a scene um she everyone stops and looks at her and i was kind of wondering like is that just because no one had phones i feel like if that happened today no one would no one would be paying attention because i would just be looking at their phones instead that's a really good thought i didn't have i I actually get, had a thought in it when I was looking at it, being like, oh, it was a little bit cheesy. It's like, oh, we're all going to turn, and it's going to be this beat moment. But you're right. If that had happened, everyone would just be looking because they're like, well, I, I was just staring at a wall otherwise, so I might as well just see what's going on here. Yeah, everyone's so nosy. But again, it really uh, – as a person who is hyper aware of people being aware of me, I – I connected to that being in the sense of presenting as out of place in a place where everyone else is kind of doing a homogenous sort of thing. You know, everyone in there was on the same level and here's this person who isn't. Um, And yeah, I just really, I just, I kept coming back to that. And that was my connecting to it, you know, of, of really enjoying that on there. 
haven't done this on any other film yet, but I enjoyed my experience so much. I'm just going to very quickly breeze through some of my notes that I have written here. Yeah. Uh, I When they started up and they said it's all about the money, I'm like, oh, here we go. We already got part of the thesis of what we're going up against, money versus love. Got it. Um, I wrote one when he was driving around. It's like, oh, yes, it's pre-GPS where he had to actually figure out how to get to Beverly Hills. I said the soundtrack is great. We were playing Wild One in our L.A. driving scene. I'm like, great, this is perfect. I yeah. wrote to myself, I've never seen a sex worker. Uh, I love the CD, Hollywood Boulevard. Hank Azaria, I wrote, and then he's not in it again. But I yep. just thought that was interesting. Uh, if I were a, a um, sex worker, I would take the Monty Hall star, absolutely. Uh, the prep for her getting ready was the same prep for drag queens. Uh, her first time in an elevator joke was very funny. Mm-hmm. I I would absolutely get cast as elevator perv. I thought that was great that uh, passed me, got that role. Um, I just, I wrote so much about, oh my God, Julia Roberts' hair. Yes. Oh my God, her hair. I want my hair to have, I need to get volumizer because I need to figure out how to have that hair. It's so amazing. Yeah. I I also made a connection I've never made with Julia Roberts before. And I think it's the age. And maybe it's also – maybe the Gary Marshall part in the back of my head was somehow made this connection too. She looked so much like Anne Hathaway. And a yeah. lot of her presence was well, very Anne Hathaway-like. I really I, connected wait, wait, wait. on that level and got that. I have to object one thing. Other way around. Other yeah. way around. Anne Hathaway looks a lot like Julia Roberts. Yes, I know. Yes, yeah. Okay, yes. Thank you. What I I had more. Anne Hathaway's my Julia Roberts. There we go. Well, I think we'll reverse organize it on that way. But you're correct. Um, I I love the headphone scene. I love baths. I don't know why. I just uh, think it's probably because I only had a shower for a while, so I just like Mm. fantasize about baths. I love Slippery Little Suckers. I saw that we had that statue outside of the office building, which looks like the one that's in Chicago. So I looked up mm-hmm. the artist and found out that the one in L.A. is called Four Arches. That was took a little bit more of time than I expected, so I had to rewind the film because I realized I wasn't paying attention. Um, we both screw people for money, I thought. That's that's a Gary Marshall line. He he wrote that line and reverse organized the scene from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it, but fucking on a piano. Oh, my word. The, the stomping of the divots. Oh, Again, yes. that was a beautifully funny line and moment from it from Polo. I'm Watch out no for one, the steaming uh, divots. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, the opera scene was great. I love opera. The fact that the next scene is about chess. Again, just playing into this like level of what... What we think is is highfalutin versus n- not. Um, I-, I laughed out loud when they were smooshing faces because Julia Roberts and and him kissing when they first touched mouth parts, uh, like they face matched, and it made me laugh so hard. Yes. Uh, when her fantasy is literal white knighting, that was uh, hilarious. Uh, when he says I haven't treated like a prostitute and he walks away and she says you just did I was like yes like fuck that's how I felt and I'm like glad that was acknowledged um I the love that the it ends with he says it's a say anything but with opera is how yes. uh he drives up to the end oh actually yeah, well, I should say the face I have the re- last note is face mashing so the last kiss together was a face mash kiss that that last scene where he's where the limo's pulling up and he's standing out of the sunroof 
and then like he uses his umbrella to pull the ladder down. That's just like so iconic. Oh, I love I I again, despite the fact that it's now a literal trope and a cliche that you can look up on TV tropes, I loved that scene and him climbing up again because we've established his fear of heights like all the fear yeah. of heights came back i thought it was going to come back in a dramatic way but i'm like no 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 this of course this is a love story like yeah i also did have a moment where i was aware there was an alternate script um at some point or was the original script where it ends with her going back to um a life of sex work and not ending up with them together mm-hmm. And there was a certain moment where I was like, yeah, I guess I can, I could actually see that ending work as well. Mm -hmm. I am glad it's not the ending that we got, but I did, there there just were moments to myself where I did think, I'm I'm glad that we're playing this off as all consensual because Julia Roberts knows what her character is getting into with dating with them. And obviously we don't know where they end up. Like this could just be something they're together for a while and they, you know, they live happily ever after. Come on. They live happily ever after. As well, yes, as far as the film, as far as the film celluloid is concerned. Yes. Um, And so uh, I, you know, but the fact that she is going to enter a world that is, going to blow her mind is insane to her because it's going to be full of richy riches who just have completely different standards and ethics and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so I always sort of worry about the person who like gets swept up in that level of strata and things. But Julia Roberts' character knows what she's talking about. Why can't yeah. I think of her name right now at the top of my head? Vivian. Vivian. Thank you. Yes. Um, we should talk about what was your favorite Vivian outfit? Because she has so many iconic looks in this movie. Um, which which one is your favorite? The first dress that she buys, the, the red one, black one. No, oh. the black one with the lace, mm. where she's at the cocktail bar and turns yes. around and walks out. That to me, like, I think to me that was my favorite because that's when I got it. That's mm. when it clicked, and I realized, oh wow, like. This is, this is the kind of outfit that, like, I would like to be seen in and, like, mm. be seen as beautiful and kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, and she picked it for herself. And it was, like, so – because it wasn't gaudy. It was simple. It, it – again, I'm projecting a lot in here. But it was like, oh, like, first girls' night out after mm-hmm. discovering, you know, your identity and accepting it. You know, it was just, like – a really beautiful moment and that was the one that I thought just was great. I mean, obviously the red dress with the the broad shoulders on it is like, mm-hmm. I mean, that I would also walk down a runway on that. Like, of course, I would want to have that one on. But there was something just about how simple and understated and, but yet just like, uh, wonderful about it that yeah it it was just again it was just a moment where i i realized i i was falling in love with julia roberts but also that i wanted to be julia roberts and that's what i was like oh i i get why this works now as well men Mm -hmm. wanted to date her and women wanted to be her and i was like yes i understand both both aspects of this right now it was very fascinating for me 
as a viewer to be both attracted to Julia Roberts just as a person, but also to be like, but I can fantasize and see myself getting swept away by someone like Richard Gere, but definitely not Richard Gere. Yes, absolutely. Hector Elizondo getting swept up by Hector Elizondo. Uh, you're not going to Neiman's that often on on his salary, so. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that'll do it for our, our discussion of Pretty Woman. Um, I think it's time for us to pick our next our next topic. Yes, I you know I'm coming off of a nice high on this one. I. Wonder if uh, I'm going to be open to something that we're both uh, both really dreading, or if we're going to have one that we both are sort of curious on. I don't know. I let's see. We have to pick one for both of us, and there is a convenient one that is on Alice's list, and also is on my list, but not on mine. She has Game of Thrones season eight, the last season, which I'm coincidentally watching for the first time and am halfway through, having also seen all of Game of Thrones for the first time within the last four or five months. So this is a perfect opportunity, Alice, for you to watch something uh, that you have not seen. You stopped watching Game of Thrones correctly around which season? Around, I think I, I think I stopped after season three, maybe season two. Honestly, um, I I I ha- that was a weird time in my life where I had moved to New York. I kind of just decided to stop watching some of the stuff that I'd been watching. Uh, out like like I stopped watching that and Mad Men in the same year. I remember. Um, I I've read all of the books, but I think the show was just not doing it for me at the time. And then following it over the course of the rest of of the run and then especially hearing about hearing all the opinions about the last season i always just sort of i just sort of wrote it off thinking oh, i'll probably never watch that well and that is part of the reason i had avoided it is because uh one was it been overhyped so i just didn't want to get involved in it until that had died down then when i heard the last season was a disappointment i thought oh do i want to watch a show where you know, it's going to end on a bummer. Having watched How I Met Your Mother and avoiding the last season of that because I heard it was a bummer. And also now that I'm older, realizing that show was just not that great. Um, and, but I, I just wasn't sure if I should do it. However, I had a friend who was very into Game of Thrones and basically was more or less like, oh, I'm going to make you watch this. And I was like, well, I'm actually open to it now. I haven't been watching anything. You know, it's not like I'm watching a lot of TV as is, so let's try it. And I have been pleasantly surprised by it. So it will be fun to give a, a slight summation of a late to Game of Thrones fan, but really focusing on the last season. I will be letting you know what episodes to watch, uh, as so you don't have to watch all of them. I already have one in mind, which is the battle, uh, I mean, spoilers if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, but the battle with the Night uh, King. And then I will figure out what other episodes from that season um, you should watch as well, having not finished it yet myself. Sounds great. I'm excited. Well, winter has come both in terms of our recording calendar and in terms of not a hate watch. And as we always say at the end of not a hate watch, thinking Richard Gere has personality, big mistake. It was so good, I almost peed my pants.
<laughs> Hector Elizondo. Hector Elizondo. Hector Elizondo. Correct? That's how you say it? Yes, Hector okay. Elizondo. Hector Elizondo. Jerry Marshall's favorite person. Yes, of course. Uh, besides his son, who's in this too. I won't tell you as who, though. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was some spoiler. That was a little bit of spoiler details. Uh, oh, wait, we're already recording? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, perfect. Yeah, okay, I didn't see the countdown. No, awesome. So I've just been waiting for myself then. Okay.